Transplanter RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter. That is at D-M-I-T-R-Y-O-P-I-N-E-S. And Explain Trade, a negotiation skills training consultancy believing in the power of D&D and Transplaner's potential to grow, tell great stories, and lift up our community. Explain Trade trains negotiators for governments, big companies, NGOs, and offers e-learning courses for individuals looking to get a better deal from their boss. Level up your charisma score and check out explaintrade.com. Hey there, thank you for tuning in to Trans Planar RPG. We are an all transgender, people of color led, 100% homebrew, Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition live streamed actual play campaign set in an original non colonial anti orientalist world. I am your game master, Connie, my pronouns are they, he, and she, and my cast is as follows. C. Thomas plays Oka Hien, an Osamar Bloodhunter. Max Guo plays Dewey Quirk, an Aarakocra Artificer. Erica Flaidlin plays V. Nakshirzo, an Elf Sorcerer. Hamna Shahid plays Jaron Kader, a Dragonborn Rogue. Dare Hickman plays Gentle, a Triton Monk. Quinn B. Rodriguez plays Sidlali, a Changeling Cleric. And Austin Knight plays Abiku Ishtar, a Reborn Goliath Ranger. So, with that out of the way, here are the content warnings for this episode. Content warnings for this episode include heights, fire, darkness, death, romance, flirting, references to sexual entanglements, complex and complicated relationships, amnesia, and memory loss. Arc 5, Episode 16. The sun is only a god if you learn to starve for her. From I'm Going Back to Minnesota Where Sadness Makes Sense by Denez Smith. Sunshine. Breeze. The smell of pine. Nettle. Pollen. Birdsong. Sweet and high. The rasping of leaves. The sensation of warmth. Dewy. Light filters through a tiny crack in your eyelids. You feel... Earth, dirt, heady and fresh from recent rain pressed against the feathers of your cheek. You see, beyond the crack in your eyelids, a blur of green, brown, gold. You're lying face down in the middle of a forest clearing, all emerald trees and rustling leaves. What do you do? I think Dewey's hands go to his face to rub his eyes and roll over. Uh, as you roll over, warmth sort of sinks into the feathers, I think, on your shoulders. As you realize uh, a shaft of sunlight is breaking through the swaying canopy above, like causing these dappled shadows to dance across your face, I think. Uh, and this shaft of sunlight lands squarely, I think, on your face. <laughs> like, uh, like it gets like right in your eyes. Uh, Dewey lays there for a minute. Uh, it feels nice, and it's been a long time since he's had, like, a moment to rest, I feel like. I think for maybe a, a minute, you just you just lie there, like, face up in this, like, really peaceful, quiet grove that, you know, you have, you have no idea how you're transported here. I think the, the battle, the hunter, the hound, that's like a distant memory. That doesn't matter right now. It's like beyond a wall of fog, beyond a, a, a hazed up mirror that's from a different world. Here it's just you, the breeze, the birds, and the sunlight. 
Eventually, Dewey, you hear footsteps. Or, more specifically, hooves. You hear the crackling of twigs underfoot. The feeling of uh, the earth, I think, quaking underneath your body. He sits up with a start. You set up maybe a couple of leaves that had like landed from the canopy, like on your on your feathers, like flutter down. You sit up. All the blood rushes from your brain. You're a little dizzy for a second, right? Like still blinking the warmth out of your eyes. And when you refocus yourself, you see Karvach Terai emerging from the underbrush directly in front of you, pushing a long scraggly branch out of her way. And she is exactly how you remember her from the tomb. A tall, proud centaur woman, bare-chested, with a hale body of brown hide and thick legs. You notice as well uh, the black tattoos that are so emblematic of her, winding their way up her arms, up her like chiseled abdomen, like up her sternum, her clavicle, over the shaved sides of her head, all the way up to her scalp, uh, where you see dark hair falling in kind of like a, a black uh, cascade down her spine, sort of braided into these, these strict plates. Uh, and a golden bow is strapped to her back, just glowing ambiently. Uh, Karaj, right? The hooves sort of, like, come over the dirt toward you as you're just sat there, like, maybe still still blinking a bit from all, from all the light and the sunspots in your eyes. Karaj, like, looks down at you, like, well, like, towers over you, could, like, trample you easily if she wanted to. But her demeanor when she regards you is almost gentle. She looks down at you, and you see her face, which usually looks so stern and warlike, is there's a softness that's sort of, like, curving at the edges, right, of her jawline. We meet again, Paragon. She's ready to be yours. Are you ready to be hers? I... Sure, but, um... Wait, what are, you, what are you doing here? I'm a ghost of an echo of a memory, remember? I remember. Um, can I ask you a couple questions before I do the Paragon thing? Of course. I can sense the doubt, the hesitation that still darkens your soul, and Galtanger doesn't like any part of our Paragon soul to be darkened. And yet, I have empathy for your position. And Karvach like kneels down on her like front legs until she's kind of like level with where you are, right? Like the the humanoid part of her body, like sort of like leaned forward toward you. She like folds her hands like on top of like her two like furred legs. Ask. How did you do it? I thought about the people I loved. My parents, my village, every single person counting on me. And I said yes. And you knew you could do it? No, I didn't. Like we said, back at my tomb. But I knew I had to. Do uh, Dewey <laughs> looks a little bit uh, he was hoping to be reassured here, uh, and he looks a little bit worried. I think Kadraja notices that. Uh, she untangles one of her hands from the other one folded on her lap and rests, like, these firm, scarred fingers, right, like, on one of your shoulders. Cardu, you have been chosen by fate to be the paragon of Galtanger. There is no one else that this universe would rather have protect Endake 
than you. You can count on yourself, and you can count on your friends. I would not have been able to do what I was able to do without the other paragons. All the soldiers, all the leaders of the Eight Realms, banded together. That's how we defeated the tyrannical queens, and that's how we did our best against the stranger the first time it came. They are good people. They are capable. If you still can't believe in yourself, Cardu, believe in your friends who believe in you. I'll try. That's a good start. Uh, she, I think she starts to get up, right? As you're still like sat there looking up at her. Uh, just one more question. What, what do you, you make of the fact that, um, the Cardio Carvaj thing, do you think fate did that on purpose, or...? What, what our names? Yeah. It seems a little... <laughs> it can't be coincidence, right? Or maybe fate just likes word games? Uh... I don't know. She stares at you blankly, <laughs> uh, and completely ignoring the question, she, she goes on to say, I see you're not taking Sunshot. And like her hand goes to the glowing bow strapped to her back. Sun Sunshot? I wasn't offered... Because it's not right for you, Cardu. This bow was given to me by Galtanger as a symbol of our bond, a representation, a manifestation of our relationship with each other. I was a skilled archer back in my day. I could thread a needle with my arrows. And Sunshot made sure that even so, I never missed, and I always hit my quarry. But that's not right for you, is it, Cardu? No, I could barely hit things when my friend tried to teach me with a sword. I don't think I could hit the side of a barn with an arrow if I tried. Then I think you're making something, then, great inventor. With her, together, aren't you? Something new, something that can save you, protect you. Dewey uh, suddenly looks around. Uh, is for the god jar? It's a very important thing to him, and he's forgotten about it until this moment. As you look around, you're like maybe hands like going like down your like patting yourself down like reflexively. Uh, your feathered fingers find a object, I think, strapped to your waist. Uh, that's weird. I don't usually... I'm very familiar with, like, the tools I keep around my waist. Mm-hmm. What? Uh, he pulls it out and looks at it in both of his hands. As you, like, turn your head down and, like, pull at this object and begin to, like, pull it out in front of you, uh, you feel just almost like a, almost like a dizzying sensation as, like, all the whispering leaves and the sunlight and, like, the, the trees and the breeze and the smell of pollen begin to just suddenly, like, fade out, uh, like you're waking up from a dream, right? And, like, the tendrils of the dream are just, like, like, rippling from your consciousness. And the last thing you hear Karvash Turai say before you, Kardu, you wake up is... I guess I'll have to give Sunshot to someone else. And Dewey, you open your eyes. In the blackened battlefield, 
in the obsidian wettened wasteland, pockmarked with craters, dead grass with their soles and moisture sucked out from the huge, I think, desiccating feet and paws of the hunter and the hound amidst this vast plain in the middle of Kirtal, in the Oguma River Valley, in the shadow of the highlands, we find Abiku, V and Rev sort of like huddled around Dewey's body but unable to get any closer from this massive force, this beam of light that shot out from the exploding uh, god jar that had lifted up into the sky. We cut back now immediately to that moment and we see I think the light begin to fade down and uh, V and Abiku, the two of you feel whatever force was like keeping you back like molasses you were trying to wade through or like a like cement mix that you were trying to like push and shove through to get to your friend. It just all sort of like all the tension just goes. And I think Rev, who had like had had her hand out to shield V, also stumbles a little as she was like unconsciously bracing against the tension, right? It's like someone who was like keeping you upright suddenly just disappears so you stagger a bit. Uh, and I think there's like a, like a moment where like the light goes down and the tension breaks. Uh, v and Abiku, what do the two of you do in that split moment? And V just screams, "Oh my, Dewey! Are you are you waking up, Dewey?" What about you, Abiku? I, I think Abiku digs her bow in so she doesn't fall. She's because she doesn't know if she's gonna get blown back the other way or. Last time she got like shoved to the ground. Uh, and I think amidst like this, like fumbling and stumbling and V shouting out and Rev just goes, Dewey, what? Is it done? Do you have her? And like, I think like the wind sort of that's been whipping like unconsciously around Dewey's form, like dies down. The light begins to like sort of fade down in a sparkle. And Dewey, like I said before, you open your eyes. What do we see? Uh, the first thing you see is... Dewey's face. His his big round glasses are gone. Uh, did they fall off in the explosion? Did he lose them during the fight? Who knows? Uh, but one of his eyes is gold. Um, his feathers are still blue, but this time uh, less washed out denim and more ocean blue-green. Um, it's hard to tell with all the dirt he's covered in, but his tail seems to be longer, wispier and fiery red. Um, the tips of his wings and tails are black. They're speckled with white dots. Um, it's been a while, but it's definitely re reminiscent of um, the starry skies we used to see before the cataclysm. Um, and in place of his normal utilitarian clothes, he's wearing a layered flowing robe with a long orange sash that sort of it flutters in the wind um, as it blows around him, but even after the wind dissipates, it sort of idly moves around. Oh my god! Dewey, do you like look, like aside from like the coloration and your clothes, is your body still like like what it used to be or is <laughs> has your body changed? It's still Dewey. It's still, still Dewey. The, <laughs> still the pigeon man laying face down in the dirt, so. Right. Right, but you you've you're like beautiful now. Like as like the light clears and the dust sort of like wipes away, Dewey looks freaking gorgeous. Just like <laughs> lying on the ground, no more cargo shorts, no more tool belt, sash and robes <laughs> with beautiful like phoenix like coloration. Gorgeous. Like stunning. Uh are you still face down? Do you like get up? Like cuz you're you're conscious now, Dewey. Uh he's been face down and he just like lifts his head up. Looks around. Who, who, who are you? What did you do with Dewey? What? 
It's God. A... I, he did it, right? Wait. Wait, 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 wait. Do we? Yeah, how many other... Dewey looks at his feathers, and they're still blue. He's like, how many other bird people do you know? Well, that's a weird question to ask you. It's a weird question. There's lots of bird people. Okay, well... I, I don't want of course to it's me. worry us. There is still the guy, and a bee. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the hunter is still there. In the, this entire time has still been there. Uh, this massive, like, black, like, humanoid, like, shadow, like, figure. And all of you see that it's currently lifting one of its huge feet and coming toward you. Like, lifting its huge feet, you feel the earth like, all around you just shudder, and, like, its massive foot stomps onto the ground. And, like, we pan past, like, Rev's shocked face and we press up, like, close onto Dewey's. Like, your your feather face, your, your like, beak, like, no more glasses, one golden eye, one uh, dark eye, right? Like, from, from who you used to be. And Dewey, you feel her inside you, Galtanger. She burns and glows and roils within your soul like a sunbeam shot through the ocean, just a pure radiant pillar of power, humming, humming, humming in your soul. And you just hear her voice, I think, like reverberating in your head. Dewey, it's time. It's time to end this beast here and now, together. How? I'm, I'm not a fighter. You know this about me. Of course you know this about me. Make something. And for some reason, you feel compelled to, like, I think, look down uh, at that same place where you'd look down when Karvash was talking to you in your dream, and you see it. The God Jar. Uh, it looks exactly like it did when you made it, except there's cracks through, like, its entire form, uh, and the cracks are sutured with gold that, like, gently and ambiently glow, and they're sort of, I think, strapped to your sash, if that's okay with you. Uh, almost like a gourd would be strapped to the sash of, like, a monk. And it's sort of, like, pulsating with warm heat, like a furnace. Uh, I unfasten it from my belt. Is it hot? Is it hot to the touch? It is, but it doesn't burn you. It's, like, good hot, right? It reminds you of, like, a blacksmith's forge, you know, or, like, of, like, the hot, like, workshops that you would spend hours in while welding. It reminds you of the hot sparks that come off when you're, like, fusing pieces of metal together. It reminds you of your inventions. I look inside the jar. So I haven't actually sent you your your god jar uh, stat block yet. Uh, so I think what this means in this particular instance, because you have just become the paragon and you get to sort of like unleash a little bit, whatever you want to invent or create will pour right out of the jar. You just have to like think of like something that you want to like make, right? And like think of like how it would work and will it out of the jar. The jar is sort of like a, like a furnace. It's like it will empower your creations. It will allow you to make things that are otherwise impossible to make. I think Dewey saw the way that V's magic lit up the thing uh, like a torch. And he, he knows you can't make like a ball of light. It's not, that's not tangible. Um, but it feels like that's like with the glowing of the jar and... That's sort of what he's willing to come out of the jar. You look down at this jar, cupping part of its body in your fingers, feeling the warmth sort of like net through your feathers. And you just think light. And the voice in your head, Galtanger's voice, just sort of resonates through, through the caverns of your skull. And it just goes, 
I can do that. Uh, and I think like the like the um the golden veins on the god jar like light up. <laughs> And uh, you also light up, like your feathers ruffle, like, like very Studio Ghibli, or like all the way up, like your robes ruffle, your sash like, like whips in the wind like a flag. Um, and we all just see like cupped in your hands now, a massive ball of light just begin to appear getting bigger and bigger. It's like bigger than you now. It's now bigger than a biku. It's now bigger than sun, right? Like, like getting bigger and bigger and bigger just in the palm of your hands radiating outward from you. Like a sphere of pure light uh, powered by the god jar strapped to your waist. And at, wherever the light touches, you notice like the little bits of like dust that are ambiently floating in the air are uh, eradicated. Like they're like sizzled out of existence. What do you do? I think Dewey did not expect this large of um, <laughs> enormous sun to like come out of the jar, and he got caught up in it and like drops it in shock. <laughs> uh, and then he looks at the hunter, and then gives it a running punt, a kick, like in a its direction. Ball? Yeah. Abiku and V, the two of you see like this huge, like divine moment, like energy rippling off of Dewey. Rev just goes, huh, Dewey's cool. Uh, and then Dewey <laughs> drops it, like onto the ground, and Rev goes, never mind. Uh, and then On Dewey, brand. like, <laughs> pulls back a talon foot and kicks it. And it, it just, like, there's like some resistance as you kick it, right? Like you're kicking something heavy, almost like like a sack of sand or something. Like, like we see like the contours of the light bend around Dewey's foot and then it like vibrates and then poof, like shoots forward, right? Like a little, like a miniature meteor. Like it hurtles through the air. And where on the hunter are you trying to hit? I don't think I could kick it 120 feet in the air. So I think it's just going to go like, uh into one of the shins and maybe take down like a leg. Mm, yeah, it like whirls through the air, right? Like, and then it's just bam, like slams into one of the shins and it passes through it like a cannonball passing through a straw man. It just, poof, there's a hole just created in the shin of it. And like the hunter, which was approaching your group and like reaching for one of the bone spears attached to its massive uh, trapezius muscles, like just sort of falls, right? Like onto the ground, like it falls, like it, the stump of its shin, like, like smashing onto the ground with a massive thud. And Dewey, in your head, you hear Galtanger's voice go, again. You got more of that magic? And he tips the, the jar again. You feel another like ball of like light like flows outward from like the the neck of the jar and like into your hands like liquid gold. Shape it, Dewey. Give it form. Give it purpose. I think it. Uh, he sort of moves his hands, uh, his flat outstretched palms uh, parallel to each other, and it turns into sort of like a curved flat blade. And this time he doesn't drop it. And this time he takes both hands and spins around like a, a discus thrower and lobs it in the, the direction of the hunter, trying to cut it in half. Dewey, 
there is a massive explosion of light, like a crescent just gash, I think in the darkness, radiant, like a, a blade of pure daylight shoots out, I think, from your feathered hands, right? Uh, the, the god jar at your waist thrumming and vibrating and quaking and humming with warmth and power and divine radiance. And this slice, almost like a uh, like a bladed boomerang or something, like shoots forward from your body, like sort of catapults like through the air. <laughs> And it cuts like through like the middle of the hunter's waist, like clean through. And you see all of you see like, like in a single motion, like a thin, like white line of light just open up in the waist, like kind of an anime, like when like swordsmen like draw the sheath really quickly. Uh, and there's like silence, right? For like a hot minute. The hunter's like foot is like still halfway in the air. Like it's, it's unbroken foot. And then we just sort of see the hunter like slide down, like the top half of its body's torso slides down uh, and begins to collapse toward the ground. And by the time its torso and its lower body hit the ground, it's disintegrated into dust. This black, thick particulate, like a obsidian mist just fluttering through the air around you, smelling like absolutely nothing at all. What you imagine the vacuum of the space between the stars to smell like if they had a scent whatsoever. And just like that, the hunter's gone. Like it never existed at all. Like its mass never occupied any space. And the Biku, you hear Sun's voice urgent in your head go, uh, Abiku, the, the hound, it's just, it's disintegrating. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say he was tuning in to like a another. No, that's good. We're done. No, no. I, I, I think we we beat it. Did you did you beat it? No, it was Dewey. I was just here. She's Dewey. in out reminder. She talks out loud. <laughs> right, right, right. And on that, I think like Rev's eyes fall onto you, Dewey. And Dewey's staring in disbelief. He's like, did I did I beat it? V just breaks out laughing so hard. <laughs> He's like, oh my god, Dewey, fucking quirk! What, what is this? And Dewey throws his arms up in the air, and he realizes he's still, being, still holding the god jar in one of them, and he quickly, like, uh, carefully fastens it to his waist again, and he throws his arms back up. He's like, did I do it? Abiku's gonna run over and hug Dewey, unless Dewey protests ah. in any way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh so is she yes, while yeah. holding the, is, is she is she's she just like jumping jar? up and down is, is she is she in the jar or is she in you or are you the jar that, that's a good question doesn't matter we took down the thing I took we, down the thing we took, you took down the thing dude. you, you, you definitely did it I distracted a dog that, that's pretty good that was important great. yeah I took down the thing you took down anything? Well, it was huh. called the hunter. You you disintegrated yeah. the hunter as more apt than the, the When you tell people, you don't want to say you took down anything, because they'll be like, what thing? And they'll ask, like, did you take care? Is the herd still? I look for the herd. Oh, yeah. <laughs> at, that, at that point, uh, all of you feel like the ground shake a little. Uh, and you all notice, like, you hear, like, from behind you, and you see, like, the massive herd that you were protecting, like, behind you. They're beginning to surge up, I think, like a like a slope, right? Like toward where you are. Uh, oh shit. Dewey? Dewey? I. No one prepared me for this. Uh. Could you do? Could you do? Could you do? Could you do? Uh. 
Dewey's just going to, like, very, very unsure of himself, um, walk so that he's like, if he were to get, if we were all to get trampled, he would be the first one. So he's like in front of everyone else. Brave, Dewey, brave. Yeah, incredible. You, he I love it. Brave. But you're still doing it, and that's what matters. You step out in front of everyone. Rev turns around, like holding another, like like muscular arm out in front of V again. I think, like in front of the herd, cape billowing in the wind. Dewey, you stand there, right? Maybe your heart beating kind of fast in your chest, and you see like 100 feet away, 80 feet away, 50 feet away, right? The herd just sort of like trampling toward you. You see like the, the horned heads of antelope. You see the long necks of giraffes. You see the massive tusks of elephants beginning to like run into like the, the dim light cast by this line of torches that you've set up, and they run at you and past you peacefully. You feel like the ground shake all around you here. Right from like elephants, right? You hear like the, the snorting and neighing and braying of horses, right? Like the, <laughs> right of, of like antelope. I don't know. I'm doing my best. Um, the like like the of like giraffes. This is Connie's foley work showcase, I guess. Uh, and all these animals just stream past you harmlessly and past your friends as well. Maybe as you whirl around, as Rev's looking around, be like, what the? You all notice that the herd's like dispersing to like every direction, like all four corners of Kirtal, almost like they know the true way back home. Nice job, Dewey. That was amazing. You can talk to animals now too, this is great. I didn't do anything. Did, did we fix that too? I guess we'll find out. <laughs> uh, rising up in your soul, Dewey, Galtanger's voice much fainter than before. Uh, like she's like struggling really hard to say this to you directly. You get a sense that it's hard for God shards to talk directly to their paragons, even when they're in their in your souls. You hear her voice just go, The herd is free. They no longer have to be my thralls anymore. Now that the hunter is gone and Dewey... I am not in your paragon weapon, your god jar. I am in you. I've blessed your jar with my power, and it obeys you. Okay. Uh, you're welcome in the jar at any time, just so you know. Um, oh, I'm suddenly very sleepy. Very, very sleepy. No way. <laughs> <laughs> you feel Dagger just sort of like he doesn't want to talk to you after that uh, like sink down into your soul almost like a golden sunbeam just sort of like going to rest right like folding itself down for bed like folding sunset. folding folding like a sunset exactly dipping beneath the horizon of your own mind hey, hey Dewey Dewey now to Dewey you okay you look zoned out there for a minute uh yeah, to super good. Is it? Do they always just like the gods? Do they always just like sort of make excuses to stop talking to you? Or... Oh yeah, you'll get used to it eventually. Yeah, what? Okay. Never. Okay. What? Huh? <laughs> no, yes, they, they are very talkative. Yeah, yeah. The Raven Queen was talking to a Biku back in the tomb. Oh, nice. Oddly enough. I mean. My gods just like to wrap themselves around my heart, and when I don't do what they want, they just like to tighten up like a string. Uh, V, I have a feeling Scott and Nectus are busy with themselves. No, that's, in I, your don't soul. Okay, I don't okay. want to think yep, about Okay, okay. Yep, yep. Oh. All right. <laughs> that must be weird. 
It's, 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 as long as I don't have to see it, it's fine. This is fine. Just don't think about it. Don't you it. feel it? Isn't that worse? <laughs> it's like, I don't, like, you almost feel just like, you put, see, she puts her hands on her heart, like, no, let's just go back with it feels like strings pulling on my heart. That's what it is, okay? Strings, right, right. Uh-huh. Uh, Rev sort of leans in and says, so what does it mean when we do stuff? I mean, I know the Raven Queen sort of tunes it out, but it, does that? Yeah, they, they seem to be fans, I don't know. What? That's, I don't know if I... No, they just—they're lovers. They—they they, like appreciate loving happening. You know, it's uh, not like they're washing, but God. I mean, aren't they always washing what we do? Dewey, she's gonna be watching you, everything you do. Just so you know. So, take that how you will. Okay, it's not like I have. It's not like you have anything to hide. Is that what you were literally about to say? Cardu's secrets quirk. I was gonna say it's not like I have a hot partner I need to hide from. Well, if you keep looking like this, Dewey's not going to be long. They're going to be lining up for all across Kirtal. Look like what? Yeah. I mean, down. you you kind of look um, hot yeah. now. A little bit. I, I assume that so everyone, when they get the god thingy, they get hotter, yes? Is that like I, a rule? I mean, I thought uh, I was pretty hot beforehand, but you know. And you were hotter. Like, Tosca was hot, and then she got hotter, you know? Like, you get hot, not like you want hot, you get more hot. Well, in Dewey's case, yo, no, no, you're right, like, it's, we just, you know. He got more hot, he didn't get less hot. Yeah. No. I'll take it. Is that. your clothes moving? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I... There's not even any Dewey's, wind. Dewey, like, holds a hand over it, and then lifts his hand up, and it's still moving? Uh, That's a little self-indulgent, don't you think, Dewey? Even I don't have, like, a flapping cape. Do you think I designed this? I don't, like, do clothes. I. You think I designed- I couldn't have done I didn't choose this. That's true. It chose you. I mean, if Dewey were able to design his own uh, paragon form, I think it would have cargo shorts. Well, I like that cargo shorts exist in this world. I wore them for a week, Rev. More and like a couple of months. I wore other things. I don't just wear the same pair of pants. How many cargo anymore. shorts do, do you anymore. own, Dewey? Well, currently, n none. Uh, what was up with that spirit that came out of your sword? Can we talk about that? What the hell was that? Oh, shit. Sp spirit? Uh, where's my sword? Is it still on me? It's on you. I mean, yeah, if you want it to be, it could be strapped to your back if you want. Yeah. Uh, Dewey, like, feels around for it, and it's on his back, and he's like, uh, no nothing. Uh, Paragon transformation. Dewey hot now. Uh, can we go back to... What happened uh, to not telling secrets? I thought we just said something about no secrets, though. Don't you think you've had enough surprises for one day? At this point, V becomes uh, aware of her wings, her dragon wings that are still... Mm. Right. Uh, at, at, that, at that, Rev just goes, wait, hold on. V, whoa, what the fuck? Wait. Did you always have those? No. But then okay. again, I've never had, like, and V, like, is touching her scales. I've never had these either. It's just... um, It's very pretty. Oh, thank you, Abiku. I, I, Did you also... Just, you were already a paragon, right? Yes? 
Uh, yes, yeah, I've, I've had Scott a necklace for a while now. Is okay. it the continual process of getting hotter? That would make sense. Like, you get hotter and stronger. Well, you know, uh, that would explain why Rev is so gorgeous. I mean, she's had her paragons longer than any of us, so... I have, but I haven't had any major transformations aside from my hair. But that wasn't that wasn't the Raven Queen. That was uh, Oka cut my hair because I was feeling depressed. Uh, that V remembered she she had an ex wife, ex fiance, and then kissed her in front of me without talking about it. Back in too long, slept with her without talking to me about it. So I got you know I felt a little, but it, it's water under the bridge now. V and I talked about it. we're good. V is just like I got to talk to Takoa. <laughs> uh i think v like takes a moment to like like think about these wings like feel them and she feels some like magical weave like pulling under her and like slowly like that you can see everyone else like they start like glowing like faintly purple and more purple and more intensely and all of a sudden they just like like almost like a vapor just sort of dissipate Whoa. off into nothing i thought that was like, permanent your wings were a vape trick? <laughs> Come on! Jesus! Going <laughs> not is vaping a thing and then talking. It is no, now. Okay. I guess the URL would know what a vape. Maybe they invented vapes. Right. Yeah. I mean, I Does the URL have vapes? Do we invented the vape? <laughs> it's canon. Uh, it's canon now. Yeah, that's... I don't know, they they came... They're, oh, I wonder if I can make them come back. And, like, I think V tries really hard, but since she can only do that, like, once a day, she's just, like, you see her, like, constipation face. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. don't pop anything. Don't pop anything, V. You're... Okay, okay. That was... I'm a little lightheaded. Hey, hey, hey. And, like, Rev catches you. Those wings were beautiful. And, and after you took Scott and Nectus inside your soul, the scales on your face became more prominent, and, you know, what we know about your dad, what your mom said about him. I mean, now that Galtanger's with Dewey, maybe this is a sign. Maybe this means... I don't know. Maybe you are part... dragon? Oh, wow, this is... Uh, I didn't... Oh, my gosh. You can, like, just see... V math math calculus face going on. Uh, maybe, maybe we should try to. I don't know. <laughs> the horses, Shadow. Oh, right. Uh, and you see, like your horses, like loyal as always. Three of them still like leashed to like the hitching post, and Shadow, which was like taken off the hitching post, is sort of pacing nearby, eating the grass. Shadow! Oh my gosh, they're okay. The horses are okay, everybody. Like, V, like, halfway is, like, running to the horse and, like, turns back. They're okay! Our horses, they're okay. Like, I'm very excited about horses. This is very new for you all to see. Uh, Rev leans into a Biku and Dewey. She's kind of cute when she's gushing about horses, right? Like, in, like, almost like an innocent way. Y- yes. When did she become a horse girl? <sighs> Whatever, this is... Shouldn't have tried to bring this up with the two of you. You'd never appreciate. And like Rev just sort of like mutters off, like under her breath, and like walks after V. Um, at that point, I think Sun has returned to you, Abiku, like bounding like through the darkness, the skeleton Drake. She's like, gajaja, gajaja, gajaja. like comes up to you, like in your head goes, I did good, and so did you. And and Dewey's a paragon now, just like Vasca, right? So that means we we won. We did it. 
We succeeded? Yes, we've, we've, we did it. And it went much better this time than last time, I would say. We were with a paragon, so... I... Uh, you can go rest now. Um, I think <gasps> we're all good. Oh, awesome! Well, I... I love you, Biku, and I, I love fighting with you, and, and I love telling you, you shot that hound in the nose of it, and then you cut it in half with that lightning, and bam, 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 bam. And I think, like, uh, Sun is really excited about having done a good job fighting, like, even as you mm-hmm. de-summon him, right? Like, mm-hmm. like still, like, his voice, like, in your head, like, excitedly gathering mm-hmm. about it. You have a good night. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he, like, continues to talk about it. Like, maybe you're able to, like, sh- shunt him <laughs> right to the back of yeah. your mind a little bit. So, Dewey, first... When Rev asked if it was the right thing to say, was yes, right? That's like I did the right thing. I'm not yeah. good with like politeness socially, and so I wasn't sure if socially I was supposed. That's why I thought for a second, you look g- good job. Uh, thanks. I we should hang out more often. No one ever tells me do a good job. Oh, that is sad. Sorry, uh-huh. do, do you not do good jobs? Well, yeah, mostly, no, yeah. Oh, I mean, if you do good jobs, people should tell you, but if you don't do good jobs, I mean, you can't really expect someone to just lie. Yeah. But that was a good job. I know you were very afraid of, you know, accepting the fates that you'll have to die to save a bunch of people. Uh, oh, yeah, that part. It's, it's very, that is, I know that's a very good thing you've done. Thanks. I, uh... I appreciate it. Maybe now you can go see your family. Uh, let's let's take it one step at a time. Maybe. Uh, I just I, I don't have a family, and it doesn't seem like a lot of people here talk about family. And I, I just I, I think you should see them before whatever is going to happen has to happen. I'll go uh, with you if it makes it easier. I'm great with kids. I think. I've never met one. Uh, I think kids would love you. Uh, let's... Yeah. Let's take some time before I go confront the ghosts of my past. Oh, are they Are they not alive? No, they're alive. I just... There's a lot there. There's a lot of... Oh, it's a old history. Sort of, yeah. No, they're not dead. I don't... Yes, but ghost ghost of past is like a euphemism, like you that like it, they aren't actually the ghosts of your past, literally. Yes, that's a new one. I'll write that to ghosts. Okay. Of my past, that's a good one for me because that's like I don't know my past, right? And you know, so also remember, I remember I killed a bunch of people. Maybe I killed more people. Yeah, maybe the. I mean, you talked about being alive a long, long time ago, so maybe ghosts of your past would be literal. Yes, unless more people like me are alive, which that would be weird, right? Nah, I bet you're the only one. <laughs> Abiku! Uh, Vi- Dewey, come on! It's a long way back to the Gone Clan. Oh gosh. Oh gosh, I have to talk to Toktoa. Oh gosh, I have to talk to Toktoa. And then we cut to... <laughs> we cut to... Back to the Gone Clan. 
Several days later, this military camp flying its flags high and proud, we hear the thwacking of arrows going into straw dummies. We smell the smoke from nearby canteens, open roasted meat and vegetables to feed the training soldiers. Uh, we see proud banners, big girders and tents, uh, massive, I think, spikes of, of wood in the ground to form this huge fence around the military encampment that used to be the headquarters of the Gon clan itself proper. Uh, and we find Abiku, Dewey, and V in Toktoa Kagon's central war tent. Uh, we see like the like a hide-covered interior with like felt, right, and like uh, wooden ribs sort of forming like a dome on top. We see Toktoa Kagan's most like trusted lieutenants and generals like around a massive war table, the same table that V swiped a couple of uh, golden figurines from. Let's say uh, we see like big grizzled-looking people with like tons of muscle and scars, like leaning in, talking to each other in hushed tones on one side of the table, and on the other side of the table, I think backlit by these torches flickering within the tent, draped in, I think, like, furs, right? Because it's getting kind of cold now. Taktoa Kagan. Uh, she has on, like, a felt cap, I think, uh, with a spur on top. Uh, and she's, like, her, her face is schooled in, like, a perfect expression of seriousness as her hands are splayed on either side of this massive map of Kirtalin and Dake, like, on this war table. And she's conferring amongst her generals and moving figurines around with, like, solid thunks, like, across the hardened wood. That's when the three of you, I think, come in. Like, the tent flap opens and flaps shut. There's, like, a breeze, like, a, a cold breeze that gusts in with, with your group. Maybe some powdery snow also filters in with your group. Toktoa looks up. Ah. And she makes eye contact with your party from across the tent, right? The warmth of this interior sort of suffusing your skin. So, the prodigal so-called paragon returns uh, with a costume change. And her eyes, like, look over your, your feathers, Dewey. Uh, not just that. Not just a new outfit. Oh? Have you come here to announce that you have her, Galtanger, with you? Galtanger's blessing. Well, where is she? I don't see her. And the generals next to her, like, laugh at that. You literally just, like, in me. Remember? You think I would just tote Galtanger around like a, a pet? Not a pet. A symbol of strength. <laughs> Dewey's going to try his best to channel Galtanger's powers and sort of, yeah. In his mind, Dewey says, Hi, sorry if I uh, made you upset earlier. Um, I could use your help. I, it, she's so confident she's the Paragon and like, I'm the least confident person I know. And I think as this like rambling is going on, you just see him like head down and like the edges of his robes uh, start to flutter a little bit and the the sash, the orange sash is sort of like flapping even though we're inside a tent and there's no wind. Mm. As it goes on, you like hear not a word in response, but like a feeling of like immense warmth rising up through your soul, right? Like heat rises, right? Through cold atmosphere. And the god jar strapped to your waist like glows like through the cracks like it did when you beat the hunter. And all of you like papers begin to like like flip off of like the tables like like lieutenants and generals like raise like armored gauntlets up to cover their faces uh and you begin to glow dewey 
And there's like an undeniable kind of divinity to how you're glowing. I think your feet lift off the ground like a couple of inches as you glow and like your feathers ruffle and like a light like beams out of the cracks in your feathers. Uh, and Galtanger's voice resonates out of your throat. Even though your mouth doesn't move, her voice comes out and it just says, My paragon need not prove himself to anyone. And like in a single file, all of the lieutenants and generals are, they kneel. Like Galtanger's like pure pressure, like the ex like that she exerts just forces them to kneel in like a single motion. They just ooh, like go down. All these like big muscular people just ooh, like hit the ground like on their knees. And Toktoa is, she doesn't hit the ground, but she's standing there, right? Like with her like hands like on the map and just staring at you, floating up into the air. Like your eyes literally shooting out god beams, right? And like a god's voice coming out of your throat. And Toktoa just goes, I I go Tinger? And then Dewey falls to the ground back onto his feet. And it's like all the air that was sucked out of this room like comes like flowing back into this vestibule and like all the generals and lieutenants start breathing again. You notice a couple of them have like passed out from the immense pressure. Like some of them are like sweating bullets like down their face and like the few seconds it passed since they were forced to kneel. And Toktoa even, you see like some like sweat running down her face as she was just like braced against the table. And she just goes, leave us now. Uh, and the generals and lieutenants don't need like a second word. They get the fuck out of there, right? Like leaving just the four of you and Toktoa in this room. <laughs> Dewey thought that she was speaking to him and he like turns to leave. I think Jeez. B like stops him. Like, like Dewey turns around, like walks right into B and B's like, no, don't do it. She didn't mean us. And like turns oh. Dewey around to like step back forward towards Toktoa. Sorry, that's just usually how she talks. It's, yeah, shh, shh, be cool again. You're, you're doing great. You're doing great. <clears throat> Uh, is that proof enough? I, I, I don't, I don't. And she like pushes like off of the table a little bit. And Abiku, you've never seen Toktoa so riled up before, right? Like this is, you know her the most intimately out of everyone. This is unusual for her to kind of like, for just the first time since you've met her, look unsure of herself. I don't understand your brilliance. Why him when you could have me? I've heard tales of the, the mighty bow Karvach Turai wielded sunshot. I've trained my entire life to be worthy of any kind of honor. I, I'm the leader. I, I did something no one could. I, I united the clans. I do nothing but ride in your honor. I have worshipped you since the day I was born. Why? Why him? I don't understand. What makes him more worthy than me? Um, I I know this is like a whole thing for you two, but I, I have some insight, I think. Um, it's not about being worthy or not worthy. She didn't want him at first either. It was a whole thing. Um, but fate doesn't really care what anyone else wants. It just, it's a, it's a river. Uh, it's a, okay, wait, Rev said it, but it's a river and you can like follow. No, that's not right. Um, anyway, what I'm trying to say is it's not that you did something wrong. 
or that Dewey did something right. Well, he did do something right eventually, but it's more of like, you didn't do something wrong by being yourself and Dewey didn't do something wrong by being himself. It's just like what was meant to be. Right? V, help me out here. <laughs> you know, look, if there's anyone here who doesn't deserve to be Paragon, it's me. I'd I'd pretend to be Paragon and rip you all off for a hundred gold pieces and leave in the middle of the night, but that's not how things work. I've... And when V looks at Dewey, he's like, trust me, Abiko's right. Dewey did nothing to deserve this, but he's our, he's our golden pigeon, and we're, we're gonna save Antake. He's... He's, I'm sorry that's not you, you know? I, there's a, a, a large number of people in Antake who really wish they were Paragons, apparently, and maybe next lifetime, friend. A thief. A coward. An orphan. An exile. A dead woman. A criminal. A wandering traveler. These are all destined paragons, but someone like me, who I've proven through fire and flame and blade that I... I want nothing more than the ability to protect my people and save Andake. I want this. I don't care if I have to throw my life away for this. I want this. I'm not chosen by fate, but you are. What kind of justice is that? I mean, I, I, did you hear yourself? You've done, sounds like, pretty well for yourself um, and for your people without the powers of a god being inside you. <sighs> Toktoa, like, turns away from, from, from the table, like, so her profile's to you, and she sort of, like, knits the bridge of her uh, nose against, like, her thumb and her forefinger and, like, pinches it really hard and looks like she's focusing really hard and... You get the sense that like her, she was not expecting you to succeed, right? She genuinely did not expect you to succeed. And she was expecting to, she was expecting you to be the paragon of Galtanger. Like she genuinely believed that. And that's now falling down around her, right? And she, this is the look of a woman who has in a way like hit rock bottom in a sense, cause this was not in her plans at all. And all of these beautiful maps she's laid out, she's never prepared for this eventuality. And that's when Galtanger speaks again through your throat, Dewey, which is an uncomfortable sensation that your vocal cords are being used, like by an entity other than yourself, but oh, 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 here she comes. And Galtanger just says, Kagon. And Toktoa turns around and we feel this pressure just like outward from Dewey when that voice comes out. And Toktoa immediately looks like, drops her hands from her face and looks at you, Dewey, with like wide startled eyes. And the voice goes on. What you say is true. I remember you. I remember you as a child worshipping me in ritual under the rolling fields of Kirtal, sacrificing your animals to me, pledging your fealty and allegiance to me. Your devotion to me is divine, as is your devotion to your people. Your brilliance. Thank you, but why can't you choose me, then? It's not about what even we, the Eight, want. This is out of even our hands. This is destiny's purview, and you must accept that, Kagon. You cannot live in denial. 
like my paragon did for many months. This path will only lead to ruin. So what do I... So what do I do? What do I do now? I, of all my brethren, refuse to bend the knee to fate. I do not intend to sacrifice myself or my paragon soul to save Andake if that can be averted no matter what destiny says. And because of that, I've reached a conclusion. If fate can choose paragons for us eight, then we the eight can choose our keepers, no? And this is the first time the term keepers has ever been used, uh, both like above the table in Transplanter Canon and like in the world of this, of Andake. Like the word keeper is unfamiliar to, I think any of you, right? It doesn't ring the same way that Paragon does. And Toktoa goes, what? Keeper? I don't, I don't understand. And the golden voice brimming out of uh, Dewey's throat addresses a Biku. That's what we used to call you and Shrin Yi. And it looks like the Raven Queen has claimed you again as hers. I, I am sorry. Um, I'm new to being friends with Feigard. So you also used to be my friend? It is a story longer than any tapestry woven by Nitbuza's paragon. Continue to beseech the Raven Queen's advice. Abiku, she is the one to speak to. I dare not unravel your mind. When you keep saying that, Sam, okay. I can't unravel. She's like just muttering to herself. Everyone keeps saying that to her. The golden voice pivots back toward Toktoa. I can make you my keeper a champion of my value, someone worthy of sunshot. And at that, Toktoa like straightens up when she says that. But you're not ready yet. You need to learn the greatest lesson of all for someone of your stature, your accomplishment, your honor, which is humility. And you can begin by apologizing to my paragon. Toktoa looks like she'd rather eat glass. Uh, <laughs> she's standing there like staring at Dewey. Mom said it's my turn with the gosh. <laughs> staring at you, Dewey. You look at her. She looks at you. You look at her. She looks at you. Well... <laughs> She pulls herself up to her full height, looks you dead in the eye. Dewey Quirk. I'm sorry. V just in the background. I. Go on. <laughs> I doubted you when I should have had faith even though there was no mm, she stops herself from qualifying it I 
undermined you when I should have supported you and I didn't give you a fair chance. I never believed in you when that's all the world needed me to do. And I'm sorry for being mean and rude to you during your stay here and outside of it as well. I recognize that it can make you feel small, insecure, and unimportant. And I apologize. I promise I'll do better. Dude looks back and forth to V or having a beacon like that. I think V just like raises one eyebrow and is like, that was probably the best you're gonna get. Yeah. Good enough. I think it really matters if Galtanger thinks it's good, right? Oh yeah. How's that? Galtanger chimes out of your soul, Dewey. Whether or not you accept the apology, my paragon, is entirely up to you. But I felt you were owed one. Uh, thanks. I've never had anyone have my back like that. Well, no one that... Well, uh, yeah. Uh, thank you, Toktawa. Uh, I believe you. I... I truly do mean it. And I'm not just saying it so I can get sunshot or become a keeper. Whatever that means. I... Talking with a god really puts things into perspective. This is... This is beyond my control, isn't it? I couldn't make Galtanger take me, even if I forced her to, and I would never. So, I am genuinely sorry that I didn't see that until now. That's that's alright. Uh, we all tried to avert fate, change destiny. Um, understandable. Galtanger beams out of your throat again upon this, like, awkward acceptance, right, of, like, her apology. Uh, and Galtanger says, Very well. You shall find Sunshot, dear Kagan, after you embark upon and complete a pilgrimage to the tomb of Karvach Turai. And like Galtanger like sucks back down into your soul. It's like kind of like a, ooh, like, whoa, like it's, a, it's, it's an intense sensation for like that you know, all that radiance to be stuffed back into your sternum, do we? And talk to it just goes, wait, wait, but I... I understand. So, we are all good here? There's nothing else to, you know, we all, it's all taken care of. <sighs> yes, yes, the herd has been dispersed. Paragon has been made. Galtanger is safe. There is only, um... I must make the pilgrimage, as per her brilliance's command, and continue to prepare my people for war. V would like to look at the table. Are, have there been replacements to the figurines she lifted so, you know, a few no, weeks ago? No, there have not. Okay, so I think at this point V is going to go over to the table where, the, where she stole the figurines. Truth be told, she doesn't have most of them right now. So she pulls out eight gold pieces and she, like, vaguely puts pieces back where she kind of vaguely remembers that they were, and she leaves the last one is at Kravacha's tomb. She's like, don't forget the village at the tomb. 
they need supplies, and she puts it down on the map. The tomb is. Oh, of course. I can't believe. Well, they must have been waiting for weeks now. This, this is most unlike me, visitors. This is. And like she like shakes her head and like starts like scribbling. I think in like a notepad. And Rev clears her throat at UV. <clears throat> okay, it's not your fault completely. Um. I don't know. I was, we were on the road, and I suddenly saw that I had these figurines in my pack. I, once a thief, always a thief. And, you know, they were pretty. They were gold. I'm, I'm so... Uh, I am sorry that I stole from you these pieces, these figurines that seemed like they were of value. It was... V-like looks over to Rev one more time. It was wrong that I took them but except in these these are probably these pieces are more more just take these gold pieces as penance for what I've done get out fine by me and I turned around and like quickly dodges out of there do I need to leave too or actually we should talk Abiku yeah, I thought so. Rev just goes, okay, we'll leave you to it. Uh, and like, hustles like after V. It's just, good talk, Kagan. Glad we got everything squared away. We're gonna go do Paragon business now. Uh, goodbye. V, I'm proud of you. Right, like, and, like Rev like goes out of like the tent, like following V. What about you, Dewey? Dewey's like, you, oh, I thought you hadn't met. Uh, okay. Um, Wait. Do you possibly have to talk? Okay. No, we, oh. Dewey, get out of here. Okay. She, she looks so tactile. He is not very observant. I didn't like sneak. No, no, he's not very observant at all. Right as like Dewey's like walking out, walking out of the tent. Abiku, you are alone with Taktoa in the main war tent. Last time you were here alone with Taktoa, the two of you were up to some, uh, let's say, R-rated activities that we cannot repeat here on Twitch or else we'll get flagged. There's that rug, you know, where the two of you cuddled, like there's that war table, like it, like memories start flooding back a little bit here, right? Like you see, you just see flashes of yourself and Toktoa enjoying each other's company uh, as the tent flap closes behind V, Dewey, and Rev. And Toktoa, I think, sits down on like a big arm, like chair, I think made of wooden bone and hide, like sort of like stitching it together and sort of like puts one hand like elbow on the armrest and sort of just like like threads like the pad of her fingers like through her temple with the other <sighs> abiku uh please make yourself comfortable oh, okay she sits on her lap oh uh, <laughs> you sit down on her la- uh, oh huh. uh, she looks up at you you're massive you're bigger than her right uh, yeah, but you absolutely you you squanch down right like a like a house cat and you sit down she looks up at you and says what a day yes are you okay and she kind of just like rubs her hand i think that is so i've kind of been there like a lot usually i'm like dying when i have that kind of breakdown so are you how are i know you said you're fine but are you like fine i must be fine abiku for my people you know, a lot of people keep saying that to, like, the oldie paragons are like, you know, we have to be perfect for all the people, but, like, I'm 
not your people. So are you fine? I will be. I had a very clear vision, I think, of what the path forward for Kirtal looked like. And now that vision is not so clear anymore. Mm. But I am the Kagon. I can roll with the punches. Well, that's good. You know, I don't I don't know where I came from, and I don't really know where I'm going. Well, okay, I'm supposed to go to Moroz. I know that, but I don't know why. Um, also a whole god thing. They were like, go there and, and find out more, so that's where I go, you know? It seems like they kind of tell you to do stuff and we do it. <laughs> I'm usually the person on the other side of it, the one issuing the command. Oh, right, because you're in charge. Well, it is when you're not in charge, you get used to being told what to... Apparently, I used to be a lieutenant, so I was almost in charge. A lieutenant? Yes. Oh, right. I never told you... Oh, we should really talk. Okay, wait. And she gets up. Um, okay, so I... what well, I am dead. Technically. Uh, and then I got brought back, but I'm not, like, alive the way Rev is alive. I'm, like, mostly dead, apparently. Uh, people say that. Um, and I used to be alive a long time ago, and there were giants and dragons, and I was in an army, and I killed a lot of people, but not, like, monsters, like, people, like, in real, like, people, you know? Um, and I was really good, but I was bad at politics, which honestly tracks, so I couldn't move up in rank, and that's why I was not uh, a commander. I'm not doing good at this, I'm sorry. No need to apologize. Abiku. She like she's like considering her next words very carefully, like taking in like everything you just said to her, right? And she's just sort of like, okay, accepting it, putting it somewhere else. And she says to you, I don't think we should sleep together again before you leave. Oh, that's good. I do not think so either. Good. I'm glad we're on the same page. Would you... I do have something else I think we should do, though, if you would join me. You come, And she'll go, like, sit on, like, where... On the rug, I think? And, like, pats the rug. Talk to what pauses. And then gets up. And, like, walks over to where you are. And, like, sits down on her knees. Uh, Abiku gets out of her back. She takes out Sun's skull. Uh, oh, this is Sun. Uh... I, you will meet him later. That that is not for right now. Uh, she just—it's just like it, she's, it's just anyway. Uh, it shakes out this like lever, like uh, I don't know what you call those things that like roll up, you know, that you keep tools in. And she like unrolls it, and there's like four different what look like like uh, like straight needle like hooks you'd use for like crocheting or something. And she's like, "Do you know how to handle my hair?" No. Oh, well, I can show you and she'll like take it out of like it's like half ponytail. So it's like probably like down on the floor, honestly. Uh, Should you take one of this and you will put it at the base here and you will start to work in. You see all this new hair that I have underneath and then you yes. work it in to the strand. So it it stays in the lock. I can do that. Yeah, I'll show, I'll show you. Give me the other one and she'll start. Obiko will start on like one side. And... With Toktoa, she starts doing your hair. 
uh, with you like showing her how to do it, I think, right? Um, and it's like a weirdly tender moment, I think. Like a weirdly vulnerable, intimate, and tender mm-hmm. moment here. Um, but like halfway through, I think when like Tuktoa is like working on like a backstrain or something, it'd be in like a beaker just sitting there. Is she's just? I'm like, I apparently used to have someone when I was alive. Uh, the Raven Queen said I had an other half, you know. Um, and I don't remember who they are. I get flashes. But I hear Rev and V talk about, like, when V had someone and they forgot and then remembered and it was like a whole thing for them. And, you know, I know the last time I was here, we didn't do a lot of talking. We were busy. Uh, with, we were busy other places with our mouse. Um, but I, I think I like you. You feel, you feel good, you know? Well, not, okay. That sounds... I, I mean it's not like that. I'll, okay, wait. I'm not good at this. Um, I don't want you to have surprises from me if we want to keep trying this. Abiku, I appreciate you telling me about yourself. It's, it's a, it's a lot to take in the whole dead thing, dragon. I'm, I'm, I'm take. I don't worry. I've heard it. Um. She pauses, like her fingers pause, I think, at uh, on your scalp. Mm-hmm. I've never had anyone. You know what I mean? Oh. Oh, okay. Oh. Well, not, not because I couldn't, or because I wasn't interested, or they weren't interested in me, but because I chose not to. I choose not to, Abiku. Regardless of how I feel, I... I don't do love. And it scares me to think maybe I could with you. But my people come first. They always do. Love is a distraction. Why is it a distraction and not a an aid? I have traveled with Revan V, and it only helps them. I... But let me... Okay. Your people come first. I would not want to get in the way of that. I don't know why you think I or anyone else would demand you care less about your people just to care about them. I... I only want to help those around me. If you do not want me around because it is scary for you that is fine but i think you need to ask yourself what can help you be better for your people do they need just a perfect lonely woman or do you need to fully experience life to understand how they fully experience life i'm afraid i don't think any of us have time to fully experience life before the stranger comes you would be surprised what you can do in a few months I'm not willing to roll the dice when my people's fate are in my hands. Well, I mean, that is your choice. As you've said, you can choose to do many things, but I think you should consider it, at least do that. Uh, Toktoa, I think, finishes up 
uh, the, the braid she was doing. Mm-hmm. And I think she actually like uh, scoots. So like you're facing each other, right? She's like no longer behind you. Yeah. I don't do things in half measures, Abiku. When I lead, I lead with my entire heart and soul. When I love, I love. I put a hundred percent of myself into the tasks I apply myself to. And if we were to be something, I wouldn't do anything less. So for me, there is no middle path to walk. It's fire or water. I'm no worshiper of Mahu. I don't know steam. I don't know compromise. I'm sorry, Abiku. And I hope you understand. I I do. And you do not have to be sorry. I was worried you would be like, that you would be really sad, you know. Um, but, and uh, I'll try and take her hand if she lets me. I, I do think maybe I am not the right person, but you should consider maybe someone else could walk your path with you. And she'll start to gather her things. Just, you don't have to do everything alone, you know? I traveled with so I've been traveling with so many paragons that they are together, but it feels it feels like so many people live separate that they think they have to do the thing, you know? But when you travel with someone, you can you can do anything. I'll keep that in mind, Abiku. And maybe if our paths cross again, we can talk again. I would like that. I wish you luck on your pilgrimage. The village is... They are a little weird. They... Yeah, just so you yes. Know. They're very into Turai's legacy. I'm aware. Okay. Also, they are going to be very weird around you. They were very I know. weird. Most okay. people are. Some, most women, when they look at me, they scream and faint. Oh, well... I... That is not surprising. You are very attractive. Thank you. As are you. Oh, I know. But thank you. Well, Abiku, I wish you luck as well. And she, like, stands up, right, as you're gathering up your things and standing, right? She stands up and she actually offers a hand, like, as, like, an equal partner, right? Like, to to shake in, like, respect. Okay, that is a little silly. And she opens her arms up for a hug. (sighs) Fine. And she goes in and she, she hugs you, like, kind of reluctantly, a little stiffly. Abiku, I wish you luck on your journey to remembering who you are. Thank you. I wish you luck on finding the sunshot. It was, uh... Yes, the magical bow that never misses and can pierce the hide of any target. Yeah, that'll be a great boon in the war against the stranger, I'm sure. Yes, it should also... I hope you get to meet the ghost of the lady who has it. She is... she is hotter than me, so... The go- You mean the former par- Paragon? Cardvach? Her, her ghost is down there? Oh, why wouldn't it be? Huh, okay, well, good talk, Abiku. I'm glad we're on the same page. And I'm glad... I'm not used to not being a heartbreaker. Oh, I I am not sure I have a heart, so... I don't know if that's true, Abiku. It might not beat, but it's still there. Oh, thank you. Uh, and she'll... She'll leave... And as soon as she's, like, out of tent shot, she starts crying. Oh, I love that. 
Oh, that's fucking devastating. Oh my god. A oh cry. my god. Oh, I love oh, that cry. I, I do. I mean, GM Connie loves the emotional stab stabs. Wow. Okay. While that conversation was happening, I think we're going to pivot to a different part of the war camp where we find V. Where are you, V, and what are you up to? I think um, the party, the three of them coming out of the tent, Rev and V have been kind of walking together and like kind of whispering back and forth, and V's like, Rev was like, I'm so proud of you, probably. And like V's like, I, I feel like I should go talk to Dewey real quick. Right, okay, yeah. Why don't you? I'll um, gather you some flowers. You see V just blush, her cheeks just turn red against these green scales on her face. I'll, I'll, I'll see you later. Meet me on the hill? Yes, absolutely. And okay. then um, V turns towards Dewey, who. I don't know, Dewey, what have you been up to on this walk before I interrupted? Dewey has been like awkwardly trailing behind, like trying to give you some space, uh, and like checking out his new his new feathers, kind of like twiddling, like the equivalent of twiddling his thumbs, trying not to listen in on your conversation. Dewey, Dewey. Uh, yeah. Uh, do we have a little talk? Uh. No, no, okay. don't worry. Yes, it's, it's, it's no worry. No worry. This isn't going to be like our last talk, I swear. Uh-huh. Um, do, you, do you mind if I uh, take us somewhere a little more private? I, uh, yeah, sure. And like V like puts an arm around uh, Dewey and Dimension Doors, the two of them outside of the town, probably near the area of where the Myriad and all of that went down. And then there's like there's a poof, there's a green poof on this in this area, and and V's just like, don't worry, I, I swear nothing bad is going to happen this time. Don't worry, no. I, you, you gotta stop doing that. Look, it's it's fine. I've been doing it for a while now. I know it's hard to get used to, but wait, wait, okay, wait. I'm, you're distracting me. You're distracting me. Dewey, Cardu, Quirk. No, oh, no. Good job. You did a really amazing job. Dewey reels for a moment, and then he gets, he takes a step towards V, and then he very slowly reaches out and pokes her cheek. V casts minor illusion, and that does the voice of the myriad. Um, no, I'm joking. No, no, no. I'm, I'm no, no, you joking. can't do this I'm to joking. me. I'm joking. I'm joking. No. I literally... No, time out, time out. We're fine. This is everyone. This is fine. We're fine. Okay. We're fine. You can't just call a timeout from your trauma. I know. Look, look. I, I know that I have been pushing you really, really hard here in Kirtal. Honestly, I didn't know if you had this in you. I was really worried about you. I didn't know if I could trust you. I didn't know if you would actually go through with it when Galtanger was right there and you scared me there. There was that moment where I thought, great, Dewey's gonna do what Dewey does and just run away and just not do what we need him to do. You did it. Yes. I feel like the the hard part is yet to come though, right? (laughs) That's not, yeah. Yes, the hard part is coming. Yes, this was the easy part. 
<laughs> but I know that if you look at my record, I'm not very trustworthy, right? Exhibit A, five minutes ago. But yes, sure, continue with your point. I know that you have no reason to trust me, but if you look, oh, I don't know, five hours ago back uh, over in in Ducao, I you were building this jar, not telling any of us, being friends with people that nobody knew about, and you laid us right into a trap, right? Yes. Uh, that was a thing of past me. I would, I would do that. Yeah, okay. I fucked up. I fucked up. We've, we've, we fucked, we both fucked up, right? Yay! Now we get to do something about it. And, uh, you know my real, my first name is Vasante, right? Yeah, it's, uh, still getting used to it for you. Well, slowly but surely, I want to be Vasante in my daily life. I don't want to be who V is or was. We're facing the big end, right? We're going to have to take on the stranger. And I don't want to die as V. I want to go as Vasante. And I want I want to make the things in my life right before that happens. And I think you should too. I uh, don't say this very much, but uh, I respect you for that. I probably have that coming. Um, but look, I don't know what you've got planned after this, but uh, I'm going to Moreau's. There's tapestry, there's possibly Sievert, there's inklings of maybe my father? And I don't know what your plans are now. I don't know. We'll probably have to talk to the group in Dabathati. Hopefully they're doing well. Uh, I'm sure they are. Uh, well, I mean, we already saved the place. How much trouble could they get into? Right. It's, That's not it's, to think about that. Yeah. yeah. So... You know that I might have a dragon for a father, right? Everyone keeps saying, apparently I have a dragon for a father, maybe. I don't know. Uh-huh. So, I'm going to go find my father. And I'm going to go make things right. Whatever that means. I'm going to settle all of my business before I go. Because we're looking at a one-way ticket. And I think... I, I need to tell you before I go... It wasn't that my father left that hurt so much. It's that he never came back. So go back. Damn, you really know how to... Cut right to the bone, huh? Look. Your family, or your your daughter, she's gonna be... She's probably gonna have some feelings. But she probably would much rather know that you're out there knowing what you're doing for her, for everybody else, than to go around the rest of her life never knowing who you are or what you've been up to. Sometimes it's just hard to disappoint our kids. I don't know what it's like to have kids. I'm not going to pretend like I do. But as the child of Paya Nakshurzo, I can tell you, it can be just as confusing and difficult being the child. 
especially when you don't know what's going on and no one will tell you. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's just easier to have everything out in the open. I don't know. Funny advice from from you. <laughs> Look, I, I'm not perfect. None of us are, but I'm trying to be better than I used to be. Me too. You want a hug? I, yeah, I guess. <laughs> Come here. V wraps around. It's like Dewey's so much shorter that it's like reaching uh-huh. down and ra- like barely like basically arms ba- un- behind Dewey's head, but just like squeezing <laughs> the top shoulders close and just being like, I really am proud of you, Dewey. Thanks. I'm a, uh, you, uh, you showed me how to be a paragon, you know? That's scary for all of our sins. <laughs> All it's right, scary well, to be a role model, you know? <laughs> if I'm people's role models, oof, and Doc is in trouble. You see why it's scary to have kids. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, I'm glad we had this little talk, Dewey, and uh, I'm going to go see my, you know, the love of my life, Rev, over, uh, and yeah. like, be like point over <laughs> to the hill where you can probably like see just like the silhouette of, of a Rev over there. Is she? Flash in- dimension door. <laughs> Leave um, him outside of town. <laughs> <laughs> he can fly. It's fine. Uh, we we cut from the like dimension dooring, like from Dewey landing next to Rev, uh, who's like stooped over. She straightens when she hears the pop and the poof, right? And the the purple smoke. She turns around and you see she's got a bouquet of beautiful wildflowers. Very picturesque. It's like a, a scene from a Ghibli movie. She's on the side of a, like a mossy, grassy hill. Like a breeze is going. It's like daytime, right? Like her hair is being ruffled. Like her cape is flowing in the wind. And poof, you like land next to her and it's just grass for miles behind her, right? And rolling hills and fresh open air. And your lover with flowers in her hands for you. V, Here. He like grabs it and she's like, you almost see like tears welling up in her eyes. They're so beautiful. I tried to find green and uh, purple ones for your, you know, color scheme. (laughs) I never would have thought you were so color coordinated. You simply usually just rock the all black. It's. Uh, I'm I'm not really. And he looked down at the bouquet and it's kind of ugly. Like it's like there's like some weeds in there. (laughs) Like, so pieces of grass. But it's it's the thought that counts. She, like, made it purple, green, and red for you. Oh, they're so beautiful. Thank you so much. I love you. I love you, too. You have a good talk with Dewey? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I apologized, I think. I I think, yeah, I apologized, yeah. You know, and told him we're... I'm heading off to Moreau's. I said I was proud of him. Tell him go to see his kid. I've thought about telling him some stuff, congratulating him too. But I, I think he knows. You know, I don't think I have to say it. I think he, I think he knows. Rev, I think he, I think we need to work on better communication communicate communication <sighs> just, skills as a. I don't like. It's just I don't want to go up to him and and say it. It's you know what? Hey, hey Dewey, Dewey. What? I'm proud of you. You did well. I was wrong about you. Is this a dare? No. She's doing it out of the kindness of her heart. 
Shouldn't you say thank you? There's a prolonged pause. Hello? Thanks. You're welcome. There, V. Happy? <laughs> I think V, like, it's actually like, chuckling, like, you are so adorable sometimes. <sighs> adorable? That is not a word that's ever been used to describe me. Hot, yes. Scary, yes. Big, yes. Handsome, yes. Even beautiful, but uh, adorable? No. All of those words I used to, yes, you are so good at describing yourself. Why should I even bother? <laughs> uh, uh, speaking of morose, if that's where you're going, it's where I'm going to. And it's probably where the myriad's gonna show his dog face next. Yeah. Um, and I think V's like actually kind of clutching at her heart. Like she's been trying to put off and put a brave face on like Scott and Nectus are, the whole you have to follow your heart thing this whole arc uh, this whole time on this, in Kirtal Scott and Nectus are like go 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 and so she's just like she I think she for the first time in, in since the Myriad said to go to Morose is, is feeling them like relax a little bit she's just like oh gosh they're oh they are fighting so hard to go here you're right. Uh, the Myriad might be there. Sievert might be there. Father might be there. Whoever he might be. I'd like to cut that smug grin off his face. Assuming he does have a face. Do dragons have faces? Well, if your father is there, I'd I'll, I'll punch him for you if you want me to. I'd kill him for you if you want me to. Uh, you know... I appreciate that. I've always loved when someone will punch someone for me, but, uh, you know, I think I, I would rather be the one to punch him with a fistful of fire first, at least. I want the first <laughs> shot. Makes sense. I'll do cleanup duty. Yeah. I bet your gods are really raring to go in UV, and I'm so proud of you for staying here and seeing this out until Dewey gets his shit together. You're a good friend. I'm just trying to do better than I used to do. I know the V back in the court might have cut her losses and run after the encounter with the Myriad, but I don't think you're that V anymore. You're my Visante. At hearing her her real name, I think um, V just sort of closes her eyes and like melts just a tiny bit. And, well, uh, Rev. Abiku is your keeper? That's a long story. And I think like on Rev saying that, we like cut over to Abiku. I uh, I am a mess. I think uh, the like clouds on my cheeks are like full on raining. There's a shot of Abiku. Uh, I think for convenience, the trajectory Abiku has goes past like where Dewey is. And she just like throws her bag at Dewey and she's like, watch, son. And she's like, uh, casts that spell, her feet catch on fire and starts like sprinting into the desert towards the like black sand. Mm. She's like not slow down enough for like Dewey to like Dewey can say something, but she's not. She's like and you see her like sobbing. Are you OK? No. Watch, son. And she gives you her bag. Uh, whose son? He doesn't stop. Abiku, feet on fire, burning every strand of grass, right, that your feet make contact with on this, like, 
grassy, mossy hill. You stride right past Dewey and you you just book it. Like farther, I think, uh, let's say north. You just go north and north and north and north uh, until like the encampment is like almost like a small, like a, a toy soldier's playground kind of like in the middle horizon. And you see, I think you're at the top of a hill. It's just a rolling hill all around you. The open sunless sky, dark like clouds sort of like brimming on the horizon. And you see a puddle of black glass, uh, black sand, let's say, uh, at the bottom of like a series of grassy dunes that turn rocky, uh, and just like a big swath, like an area just covered in this like black sand that you know from your memories used to be glass forest. Um, I start like striding towards it, and I'm like, so it like out loud. So what? I came back to be alone, to be alone and help other people, to be alone and get pushed around to fight a dog why and she's like i'm she if she makes it she's like going down into this pit she is having a time mm. you like stumble down what like the grassy slope that turns into kind of hard rock that turns into these like sharp little jagged black like pieces of sand until your feet like burning like sizzle against this frankly this like lake of black sand and you're just wading through it ankle deep eventually calf deep if you go even deeper it'll eventually like go up to your to your knees and thighs yeah uh and she's just and she's like i i am having a full-on like tantrum break if you've seen someone like on the beach like kicking at the water she is like what's what's the point I help the Kagan feel better. I help Paragons get their god shards. I do everything I'm supposed to. And still I get told sorry I have to take care of my people. What the fuck is that about, huh? As you're like saying this out loud, tears streaming down your face, your feet still on fire. You wade through this black sand, feet steaming. You hear like the sound of like your own flesh kind of sizzling against the sand. Uh, and you see like some of the sand like harden into like little spires of glass, right? Almost like your anger is like punching itself into reality through these like spikes, right? Of like obsidian like shards, like coming out by your feet as you wade deeper and deeper into the sand. I think she tired sits I, I sit down Abiku sits and just cries with like her her face in her hands like I am tired of just helping everyone who are you where did you go why and she just sits and cries. Hmm. Roll religion. Oh boy. Fourteen. Okay. As you sit in this black sand that goes up to like your waist, maybe, and you're just crying in it, like these like spokes of like glass almost forming like a a, a barrier like around you from like your burning feet entreating whoever might be out there for, for fucking answers, for a reason for why you're here, why you're breaking your heart for other people who can never return the love that you are full of. You hear, I think, you hear a voice uh, carried faintly on this like breeze that's sort of kicking up a few motes of sand around you. The faintest voice, that's not the Raven Queen, it's not Galtanger, 
It is a voice both familiar and unfamiliar at once. It is a voice you've only heard really truly once before in Morose, when you were impaled on some dark creature in the chamber where you found Ibuza's god shard. This voice comes to you, Abiku, and it says, North, my love, return north. And like startles and looks around. Only by going to the place where it all ended can you understand how this all begins. Okay, but if it is just more half memories and names on wind and scents, I don't know how much longer I can hold on to something that to me isn't real. North, my love. North. Stands up, dusts herself off, <sighs> looks at the like glass she accidentally made. Okay, all right. Uh, and tries to just start like kicking it over. She's like, I can't leave these glass shards. I don't know if kids like. She's just like, I- I'm trying to like erase evidence of this kind that of you were emotional here? outburst. Yeah, like I, mm-hmm. d- she does not want anyone else. She had such an outburst. Yeah, as you kick your foot back to maybe destroy one of the glass shards, you notice, before your foot makes contact, uh, that the glass shard actually has shape. Kind of looks like a sprout. Uh, of Like a sapling, almost. Like a little, like, glass bark with, like, tiny little, like, leaves coming out that you've created here. Do you she still stops. destroy it? No, she stops, and she kneels down and can I speak with plants. <laughs> oh my god! Um... Uh, Hello? Are you real? Huh. Got him. (laughs) (laughs) Forgot I could do that, huh? Then the plant, uh, this glass sapling sort of almost seems to weigh, like the wind gusts through and that's how it talks back to you. When the wind gusts through like the pores, I think in the glass, almost like someone blowing right on the the open rim of a cup like wind chimes clinking together and you just hear the same word repeated back to you um real 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 oh real okay so you are real that's good um good 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 oh you're a baby 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 Okay, uh, let's see what I I left my bag. Oh, oh my. Um, wait, you wait here. I will make sure you don't get crushed. Uh, and she's <laughs> like goes to climb out. As you as you start to book it out of the pit, you just hear all of these little sa- saplings say crushed, 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 crushed. <laughs> like the last word, they're just repeating it back to you as mm-hmm. you 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 book it out of the pit. I think on that. I would love it if the three of you would tell me how you tie up your affair- affairs in Kirtal. Uh, I think because they'll, V can teleport the group. Uh, she has that ability. And so she's bringing the horses back to Balfa. It's just like spending like, you know, a little bit more time with Shadow and being like, you were such a good, good horse. I'm going to miss you so much, friend. Are you, are you sure you don't want to keep her? 
It says Bafa, like, in the stables, the smell of, like, horse manure and, like, sweet straw wafting through the air, like, the the dark uh, slats of the stables descending, like, in, in several rows down to your right. Uh, are you sure? Uh, just, we're going to be teleporting a bit, and uh, I just don't think I'm going to... I would love to. Uh... She's all yours if you want it. I think Rev, who's next to you, just sort of leans in and says... Doesn't Oka have that elk? Come on, who says he can't have a horse? I think there's like a little smile on me being like, well, I mean, if, if you insist, friend. Please, I would be honored for one of my horses to be the mount of a paragon. All right, come here, Shadow. <laughs> I do my best to do a horse noise. Uh, and Shadow like sort of like nuzzles toward you, like nuzzling you for treats. Yeah, I think be like, Happen to just have a few uh, treats from her pocket still and like feeds them and is like stroking the mane and just like V is like nuzzled with the horse looking at Rev being like, I love Shadow so much. And I love you, darling. Thank you. Uh, Rev says to, I think, the, the dwarven stable master, as you're like distracted with the horse, Rev like slips them a couple of gold pieces. <laughs> I love that so much. Yeah. And I think just like the the final like image is just them walking and V's like holding um holding the reins and leading, and like you just see like uh, V like sliding her hand into Rev's and like holding it and like putting her head on on Rev's arm because Rev is so much taller that she doesn't get quite on the shoulder. But yeah. Yes, we see the two of you and your horse like being led through the war encampment, heading toward the rendezvous point for Abiku and Dewey. Uh, but Abiku and Dewey, before we get there, Abiku. Tell us how you're spending wrapping up the rest of your time here in Kirtal. I think the next day after the tree incident, she finds the Kagan very like when she's like doing like she's like walking around camp or something and she's like very official. She just wants to alert her about the new forest sprouting because it seems very important. What? A glass forest? Yes. So... As I let you know from um, my stud- studies, there used to be glass forests throughout the land here, and it seems one of them has returned. It must be because Galtenga is so happy with uh. your leadership. <laughs> well, yes, of course. I think this conversation is happening as she's overseeing some training at like the archery range, right? All the soldiers are like doing their best in front of the Kagan, right? Like, and she's like walking down the range, right? As you're talking, she's like pacing up and down, right? There's a couple of like liaisons around and like generals and lieutenants attending to her. So you're kind of walking, her hands are clasped behind her back, straight, straight as a rod. All right, noted. I'll make sure to designate it as a protected area. Uh, so any wandering wild herds won't trample over it and any of our soldiers don't accidentally cut it down without recognizing what it is. Yes, of course, it must be very important. Um, They are very babies, so I don't know how long it'll take for them to grow. I don't know how fast glass, magical glass from a god grows, but I'm sure she'll let you know on your pilgrimage. I'll have some of my arcane botanists take a look at it. Thanks for bringing this to my attention, Ishtar. Yes, you are welcome, uh, Kagan. Uh, I, I wish you a good day. And she'll, like, she'll, she'll, like, salute, uh, and... Like, Dr. Well, frowns at that as you salute her, because you've never done that before. I'm sorry, I don't know how this works. Uh, salute is fine. And she salutes back at you. And she'll 
leave. As you as you turn to leave, uh, she actually says, uh, "Abiku." She doesn't turn around, but she just stops. You're okay, right? With how we ended things, it was mutual. Turns around, smile. Yes, I told you I was finally the of. Okay, okay. I just, I mean, another me would have just been an asshole and let it go, but you, well, I mean, while it lasted, it was, you were one of my favorites. I, I am glad that I am on, on a list and that I'm one of the good ones. That's good to know. Um, I appreciate you too. And if I can ever be of service to you, please let me know. Will do. You better be off now. Yes, I must get going. Um, I'll see you, I guess, at the end of the world. And she leaves. <laughs> Take care, Abiku. She calls after you, right, as you turn and go. Mm -hmm. <sighs> like, hiding, hiding your true feelings as you run off. So I think that's, like, sort of the last image we see of Abiku individually, right? As, like, the days pass, right? And you tie things up with the Kagan and you go to meet V, Rev, and Dewey at the rendezvous point, I think, at the main gate. But before we get there, Dewey, how are you spending your final days here at the camp? Dewey has gone back to find the, the smithy who was so kind to help him destroy all of his god jars and then help him create a good one. Um, you hear the clang, clang, clang of metal in like the blacksmith's area and like the hot, hot heat of the furnace, like of these like big like huts of clay with like a big glowing like crimson red interiors of like various smithies working on anvils, right? Like like with the, the pizza paddles, right? With like various like armor and gauntlets, right? And boots and whatnot in and out of various ovens. And you wind through all of this, right? Uh, all the tools and the workbenches and like leather tanning stations to find um, this big, big woman, right? Who had helped you make the god jar. He, uh, he sort of ducks uh, underneath. I think she's like facing down and she's got a mask on and he kind of like ducks down and like waves. Ah, she like puts her like metal, like heat shield mask up, right? And like puts down, I think like the sword that she was forging and hammering at, uh, turns her big scarred face onto you. Ah, Paragon of Galtinger, we've all heard the Kagon's proclamation. Turns out the business you were on was uh, actually quite legitimate. If you just, if you told me that what you were trying to do was capture the God Shard of Galtinger, I would have made you a better jar. This one worked out fine, and, uh... What the hell did you do to it? What are those cracks? What are those? My baby! I didn't do it. I mean, it exploded, and I didn't make it explode. It exploded? Like, yeah. You exploded my jar? I didn't... Like I said, I didn't do it. Galtanger did it. The... Well, hold on, hold on. Her brilliance. Shining star of the morning sky. Shattered my jar? I think so. I'm never gonna let the guys live this down. Well, whew, look at that, it's beautiful. The cracks make it prettier. Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, I wanted to ask you for one more favor. Of, of course, anything for the Paragon of Galtanger. Uh, I lost my, my glasses. Um, I think it might've had to do with the this whole transformation, like, I don't know where- Oh, right, you look completely different. I didn't even notice. I mean, the way you carry yourself is still the same. So I thought, yeah. but wow, look at your feathers. And without asking for permission, she lifts up your wing. <laughs> look at these feathers. They look like a, a dark night sky with, with the stars, as if the stars were back. You look pretty. Uh, thanks. 
Uh, yeah, so the glasses disappeared, I think, and, um... You want me to make you a new pair? Yeah, I don't need them to see, per se, um, but I... I would Paragon, if... are you sure you want glasses again? Because you look pretty good without them. I mean, with the glasses, you kind of look... I mean, no offense, you kind of look like a bullyable nerd. Without them, and in this new costume... You look pretty cool. You look like a. Yeah. You look like you could be a hero. Yeah, I got a whole makeover. Uh, but it's not like for me. Um, I just like. You see this weird, like, janky eye I've got now? It's kind of oh. like. Wow, what is that? A contact? No. Um, no, it's the transformation, remember? Oh, oh, oh! Oh, I didn't put two and two together. Oh, oh, why didn't you say that earlier? You look great. That's per that's beautiful. You look, mwah. you look great. I mean, you don't, you don't, you don't have to pretend. I don't, I mean, it's kind of No, like you scary, actually, right? you genuinely look much better than you did before. Much, much, like okay, a hundred, well a thousand. Right, right. Uh, I just like, I have a kid and I haven't seen her in a long time. And I'm kind of afraid that the, she'll be scared of the creepy eye, uh, the different eyes. Uh, okay, you want the glasses to make you look uh, approachable, yeah, like a like a dad. Do I not already? Just like uh, if they could like hide like sunglasses, but only like some of the time. Like if I could flip that on and off. I know just I know just the thing. Uh, and we cut to, like, after, like, several hours of welding and, like, finicking, uh, the same blacksmith, like, handing you, like, a set of glasses, uh, with, I think, like, the, the shade-changing tint on the glass that allows you to toggle it on and off for sunglasses or not sunglasses. And at that point, we cut to the, the four of you reconvening at the main gate of, I think, the war camp, where there's, like, a, a group of Kyrian seeing you off, including the Kagon. Right, like with your horse, right, with V readying the teleportation sigil. You still do have to, I think, cross back through the chasm because there isn't a teleportation sigil to go to Kirtal because Kirtal is like full of nomadic peoples. Um, so V, however, can teleport all of you like a, a short, a distance closer to the chasm. And I think similar to the welcoming party uh, that like helped to lead you through the chasm toward Kirtal, Selim Shai is leading like the goodbye party to help like guide you through the chasm again the other way. So. I guess this is uh, time to get back and get to it, yeah? Yeah, we'll go, we've got to go back to Dr. Rowe, catch up everything that happened. Hopefully the other party will be back. I'd is like it going to... to be as weird as that dinner? <laughs> Who knows, Abiku? What do I look like, a fortune teller? A little bit. Nah, nah it'll be fine. That's... It couldn't get worse, right? Yeah, we got all of our drama out at the party last time. That's good. Surely there's no drama to be had if we all reconvene, right? We, we'll catch up. I want to, what's their names? Uh, Duran and Gentle. I want to ask them to take me to Moreau's. Do you think uh, Gentle found his dog? We'll find out. Who knows? Hopefully they just got that dog. Maybe hopefully uh, Vanash got put to the right paragon and uh, things will be just perfect. That would be good. I am um, kind of over being here, and Abika kind of looks back at the Kargan. 
Yeah, um, the Kakan's like arms are crossed over like her like half plate, right? With like some hide and fur coming out from it. And she's like nodding as all of you are like getting on your horses, like getting ready to leave. Nods in your direction. Yeah, I'm, I am good. Rev leans into you, Abiku, and says, what happened between the two of you? I thought you were, you know. Oh, you, you know, she is, she, it, she just has other things to worry about, you know. She has a lot going on. Right. And Rev, like, I think sympathetically pats you on the shoulder, Abiku, like some, with like pity in her face a little bit, which is not a, not a great look to receive from anyone, right? Especially in this context. Well, it's, I, I, it is not a big deal. It was just, okay. we, we just okay. hung out for a little bit. It is not, right. and I am fine. Okay, okay, okay. All right. If you say so, Abiku. If you it say so. It was mutual. We just talked about it again. Great. Okay. Good. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad it was. Uh, glad it was mutual. There's glass forest is coming back. That's a thing. Huh? 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 Oh. Okay. So when I was alive, the first, and I think first, maybe like on that, yeah. right? Like the the scene peters out, right? Like as all of you like on shadow and like on foot, like start walking back toward the chasm, right? With like the Kyrian riders like guiding you, like talk to Akagan at like the gate, like or. You know, her hands clasped behind her back, straight facts, like looking at your party as you're leaving, right? A Dewey, I think our final vision is of you, like maybe looking confused at a Biku as a Biku goes on about the forest, right? Uh, with like uh, the Godjar strapped to your waist, right? Your sash fluttering in the wind, beautiful, like dark blue, like ocean blue feathers, like ruffling uh, your face full of a promise of what is to come in the future. And as that scene cuts, goes to black, we slowly, slowly, slowly open up the scene again on a very different location. An office. There are no windows in this office, only a single door. And almost every single square inch of this office has been painted, slathered, I think, in red and black ink, or is that blood? Sigils of an eye. And then there's a noise like as a rift in the air in the middle of this office tears open like someone dragging a knife through the flesh of the weave and ripping open a wound, I think, uh, in the magic itself. And a portal tears open the middle of this office like bleeding power, leeching this empty presence, this vacuous enmity out into, into the now and out tumbling from this black gash, right? I think in, in the fabric of Andake, tumbling out of the nothing plane. We see a man's form like hit the ground, the rug of this office and roll for a little bit. Uh, and then the, I think the gash seals back up and we see Adam pick his head up from the rug, right? His like blonde hair kind of limp in front of his face. He's like, he looks kind of like, like fucked up. Like he's been through like a fight. There's like, he's bloodied, he's bruised. Like his, uh, his suit jacket is all like ripped up like with the, the emerald like coloring of the chrysalis, right? He like, uh, like wipes some blood off of his mouth, right? And starts to like slowly pick himself up, like grabbing onto like a nearby desk to help like, like, like raise him. And the woman behind the desk raises her head to address him. This entire time she's been just working at the desk, even when the gash to the empty plane ripped open and he tumbled out, she was just writing something. She looks up at Adam as Adam just, uh, uh, 
and he pauses as he makes eye contact with Lilith. And Lilith, we see, is this wraith of a woman, wispy, uh, like she's a shadow of a shadow almost, with pale skin that almost looks translucent from how sallow uh, and tired the skin itself looks. She has this blonde hair like Adam's, but unlike Adam's, it's almost like pale, like someone ran sunlight uh, through a copier multiple times, right? Or like strained it through some sort of press. She has this like long kind of like limpid, almost ghost white blonde hair that just sort of like, it's kind of greasy and just like falls in front of her face. And we see her eyes are like the most tired eyes you've ever fucking seen. Like they remind, I think uh, our viewers of Dr. Ting's eyes back in arc two, just how tired he looked, right? With like these dark circles underneath them and these like pale, like baby blue watery kind of like irises. Lilith dressed in a suit crisper then Adams looks up. Adam, I've been expecting you. You're late. And Adam <clears throat> sort of pushes himself off from the desk and like cleans up the blood and the bruises from his face. Lilith, it's good to see you. As always, I was uh, <clears throat> tying up business in Dabathati. I'm glad you're here now. There are a lot of preparations to be made at the research facility for Adolin. Podcast editing for this episode is by C. Thomas of Okahian fame. Toss them a follow on Twitter at PieSharpArt. Transplaner RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter and explaintrade.com, a negotiation skills training consultancy, because you can't ask to roll persuasion in real life. Check out explaintrade.com. Please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps so much with getting new listeners to find us. New podcast episodes drop every Tuesday. If you can't wait that long, tune into our live stream Saturdays at 7 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Twitch at TransplanarRPG. Also, toss us a follow on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and YouTube at TransplanarRPG. We also have a Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res art, and much, much more. And finally, a very special thank you to our Patreon Paragons. Alex, Brooke Bright, Charles, Chiacres, Cora Eckert, Emma, Hat, Conding, Lex Slater, Purple Mouse, Riley, Scruffesis, and Target.